Hello, hello, and welcome to the Wing Woman podcast, hosted by journalists and best mates, Charlie Gowans, that's her, and Frankie Gradden, that's me. Hey, Chaz. Hi, Franks. So you've got a very uh, Gen Z central parting today. Do you know what? I was about to bring that up. I've washed my hair and I haven't dried it. <laughs> and then I was just arranging it into a central part. Ah, Least I be branded a old fogey because of my sidey. Devastated. <laughs> the thing is, young people are dickheads, aren't they? But we were dickheads too. I mean, not that we're not dickheads now. I'm sure we are. But I think when you're young, you just think you're so fabulous. In the same way that when young people discover politics, they're just like, you old people should really take note of this because we are making changes. <laughs> and it's the same thing, isn't it? They're like... You guys are so naff and old. Okay, well, get a few wrinkles and then come back to me about the central parting because it is not always flattering. And if your face is not symmetrical, that really highlights that. That's why we do a sidey, guys. Well, and also, if you do have greasy roots, sometimes switching the parting over with a spritz of dry shampoo, that can buy you another day. When you do a bit of a sidey, do you not always do it in the same place? I do, but I also think that my hair has become accustomed to just the one side yeah but you can flip it around a friend of ours a communal friend communal friend sure (laughs) that's her top tip is to flip her parting around she does that when she's just bored of her own face she's like oh i'm just gonna flip my parting around no i have an obviously better side of my face and obviously worse one so if i do a sidey parting it shows more of the better side the good side Yeah, so I'm not going to do it the other way. Jeez. Christ. Tell me what you're drinking. It's very exciting. My sister sent me through the post a bottle of Daffy's Martini with orange blossom. Shut up. I also have a martini, but tell me about yours. Oh, shit the bed. Well, this is the winner of the world's best martini, apparently. Hello. And it has this blonde woman on the front who's emerging from a martini glass and looks a little bit like Dolly Parton or Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge. Fantastic. Anyway, completely delicious. Has all sorts of stuff in it. Lebanese mint, juniper, coriander, etc. Much more elaborate than when I make a martini for myself at home. Delicious. I can't believe you're having a martini. Martini girls just want to have fun. Don't they just? I have a bottle of martini from the very famous Barclay Blue Bar. Very chic. Obviously, the bar has been closed due to pandemic life. And they've started bottling their famous cocktails. And you can buy them. So I have a bottle of their delicious martini. Yum. Which I have been drinking from a martini glass because I discovered I had a dusty old martini glass in the back of a cupboard dragged that out and i've been making it dirty with some olive brine and olive i think i've really grown up because i only went in my head when you said dirty that sounds delicious i don't have a martini glass so i'm very jealous so sorry for you something to add to the list i think i might just get some coops because then i can multitask with them you know yeah champs because I'm not really into a flute anyway. Oh, I mean. It just takes so long for it to get to your mouth. God. <laughs> if I wanted a workout, go to the gym. Oh, well, cheers with our martinis. Cheers. Clink clonk. What have you been up to? Well, basically the only excitement in my life is that I have central heating. Yay. Although this is the second flat 
that I've lived in that didn't have central heating because I only had electricity in that. Do you remember when I lived alone when we were at uni? Yes, I do. I lived in this great little Victorian flat that had not been updated since the Victorian era. No, it had electricity, but it did not have gas or um, heating. Anyway, this is much better. My rented flat here is lovely, but I just had electric heating. So I've had men in and they've done all the boring stuff and put a boiler in. Although they've built me a new boiler cupboard, which I'm very excited about. Floor to ceiling. Lovely. Mm. Um, And I've got new radiators, so my house is warm, just in time for summer, which I'm very excited about. But the main excitement is that... Because they had to take the carpets up and they were making a bit of a mess because they had to lay new pipes. They painted my bedroom and they asked me what colour I wanted because it's always just been white because it's a rented flat and that's the colour. They painted it when I was moving in nearly three years ago. And I've gone for a colour colour. It's like a clay pink. Sexy. It's so nice. I love it so much. Now I want to paint the whole flat. I'm thrilled for you. And they painted my stairs white because there was a really horrid greyish carpet on them that's been there for like 15 years but I asked if we could potentially just not put a carpet there and paint the boards instead and it looks so nice so you've had a mini home makeover can't wait for you or anyone to come (laughs) round I think I'll be hoovering dust up for about a month also still finding Christmas tree needles at this point yeah yeah I mean forever apparently anyway what have you been up to I'm gonna show you something Look at this. Did you make that? No. But thank you for thinking I could craft something so intricate. You went to art school. I'm holding up a first wedding anniversary card. And this, dear Charlie, is from 1952. It is the first wedding anniversary card my grandma gave my granddad. That's so sweet. Isn't that just the sweetest? So, Grandad's house is being cleared out. God bless him. And we've uncovered all sorts of lovely things, mementos. One of which is their first anniversary card. It says, to my darling husband, whom I love very much, from his loving wife, Margaret. And then she's done some kisses in the shape of a heart. I thought that was just so beautiful. That's lovely. And we found loads of pictures and everyone, this is them when they were young. So this was during the 1950s. Everyone just looks so glamorous. Everyone looks like film stars. I know, fabulous. Oh, my mum's mum was Margaret as well. And she was very chic, very well dressed. They were properly dressed and their hair was done. And there's pictures of my grandma and granddad with their friends at dinners and dances. And, you know, it was like proper dinners and dances. So you got dressed up and they just all look absolutely fantastic. Obviously, the pictures are in black and white, which I think helps, you know, to create that sort of Hollywood star vibe. Well, also quite soft focus. I do feel like HD has not been our friends. I think I could do with going back a couple of iPhones. (laughs) As I'm getting older... The phones are getting sharper. Is that the correct way? I don't think it is. It's not fair, (laughs) is it? We need to do that Vaseline on the lens trick. (laughs) Yeah, they look like creating some kind of 70s soft porn. Exactly. (laughs) Put a sheet over a lamp. Oh, fabulous. So how lovely is that? That's so sweet. I know. I said to Ben, when Alfie's sort of clearing out our stuff, I wonder what he'll come across. 
I thought about the Valentine's card that I gave Ben this year and it said DILF on it. And I thought, well, it's not, not quite the same. <laughs> did you get him a first anniversary card? I did. I can't remember what it was, but I did. And I do keep cards. Okay. I actually need to stop keeping cards because I've got so many I didn't want to do with them. Do you keep all of them or do you just weigh them on merit? I keep them from Ben, my grandparents, mum and dad. And I've got all of your homemade cards. Oh, that's nice. I keep homemade stuff. Okay. Because, you know, effort, isn't it? Yeah. I sometimes do a clear out and I find something, you know, from work or something. When it's your birthday and they pass a card round. And there's loads of people packed on one page and then one page where just only three people wrote on that side. And they all just say, happy birthday. Have a great one. Get that in the bin. So, very exciting news. Bojo has an escape plan from the country when we decide to call him up in front of the courts for crimes over lockdown. Um, No, I mean, end of lockdown, potentially. Are you excited? Are you anxious? What's happening? I'm super excited. So we're recording this on Wednesday. His announcement was on Monday. And in exciting news, nightclubs are reopening 21st of July. I haven't been clubbing in years and I didn't think I was particularly bothered about going clubbing. But when the news broke, what do you want to tell me? You clubbed at your hen party, sort of. Yeah. Well, that was a soft clubbing experience. But when suddenly nightclubs were reopened again, I felt really excited, really excited and was suddenly absolutely desperate for a night out. I think we need to find some us-appropriate nights out. I want disco music. I want 90s bangers, 70s to 90s music, maybe up to like 2003. Mm -hmm. The Builders were playing Blue Cantrell the other day and I was like, "Mm, yeah, this is a banger. Yeah. No further than that, please. I don't want anything modern. Maybe with the exception of like Beyonce and Rihanna. Deal. And lots of seating for... When our feet get a wee bit sore. <laughs> well, no, but we just don't have to wear heels. No heels. Actually, now I'm quite excited because if I do go clubbing, I have enough money to pay for the cloakroom, which means I can wear a coat in the queue because that was the worst bit about going out was that you knew you had sort of 45 minutes to an hour shivering in a queue trying to get into a club because you didn't want to take your jacket and waste the pound on the cloakroom. I'm not queuing for 45 minutes to an hour. Well, I think now, because we're so fabulous, they just usher us in, don't they? Right. Well, we'll be on some kind of list. The VIP list. Maybe more the OAP list, as in OAPs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so I'm really excited about that. I've already booked my haircut. Sorry if you can hear, by the way, the bin men are here. This vehicle is apparently reversing because I live on a dead-end street. Fabulous. Where have you booked your haircut? When's it happening? So... The email from our hairdresser, me and Charlie share a hairdresser, she's called Natalia, she's based in Stoke Newington, she's fantastic, she sent an email on the 12th in the evening to say that bookings were now open. I did look at it when it came through, but it was quite late at night when I saw it, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to look the next day. By the time I'd gone to book, the whole month of April had already booked up. So now I'm in May, I'm in May, 13th of May. Oh, Fuck! Disaster. God, you're going to look like absolute shit for all of April. So I've already booked that. I've already booked my first staycation. 
Yes, I saw this. Tell me about it. So I've booked for the bank holiday August, Monday and Tuesday, a shepherd's hut in Dorset on a farm called Alla Farm. They're new. There's two huts next door to each other and they look absolutely divine. They've got outside baths and a big lake that you can go swimming in. That's such a coincidence because I've actually booked the other hut. (laughs) (laughs) Cooey. Ben won't mind, will he? Ben. Hiya. Hi. Just an old romantic mini break. Three and a baby. Well, you bring up the issue of a baby and I think this is going to be an issue because obviously when you have a baby and you go out, you need someone to babysit. Who, in their right mind, is going to want to babysit? Because we've all been inside for the best part of a year. No one's going to want to babysit my baby. So am I actually going to be able to go out of the house? I don't know. I'll babysit your baby. Will you? Yeah. Won't you want to be clubbing with me? Mini breaking with me? Yeah, but when you're seeing Ben, I don't have that many friends. So, like, if you're busy, I'm available. Okay. So, I'll take that little poppet. Thanks, babe. I'm going to teach him things. Oh, no. What are you going to teach? I don't know. I want him to potentially say my name as his first word, though. (laughs) I'm working on that. I'm too chally. (laughs) He could shorten it. Ancha. If he says Ancha, he's trying to say Aunt Charlie. All right. Just so you know. I think I'm actually super excited. Am I anxious a little bit? Because I think so far... Because everyone's been at home, I haven't felt like I've missed out on life having a baby and being on maternity leave. But I have slight anxiety that when the world reopens and everyone can go out for dinner and dancing and cocktails and all those things that I really, really want to do, I'm going to notice that actually I can't because I have a baby. That's my anxiety. I know what you mean. I'm slightly anticipating just going out for like a week and being like, this is amazing. And then being like, God, quite tired. Exhausted, yeah. Because the social fatigue, I think I will have forgotten how to do it. And I'm so used to socialising less now. So when you spend a whole day with people, or you go to the pub for hours, I know it's a different kind of conversation and you can kind of tune in and out and you can speak in a group so much more easily. And I'm really excited about all of it. But I do think it's going to be kind of exhausting when you can't just shut your laptop and you're in your living room and your tracksuit bottoms and you turn the TV on. We're going to have to adjust back. And I think I just need to practice for real people now. And also practice my mouth. You know, no one sees my mouth these days when I'm just like walking around like in the shops and stuff. But I'm very excited for strangers. Not that I particularly like them or want to talk to them. But because I can't, I've really romanticised that, like, just talking to strangers in the pub. I just want to go to the pub and sit at a table and have someone ask us if we're using that chair. (laughs) And really have to protect the chair because somebody's late. And then return the glass because it's a bit dirty. And drink some mediocre wine in a pub. That sounds just glorious. It does, doesn't it? Maybe a crisp, you know, when you open the back seam. Fold it out, lay it out flat on the table. Yes. Oh, yeah, ready salted. Maybe some nuts. Preferably not nobbies, but I would eat a nobby's nut. Lovely. Oh, it'll be shandy weather soon. And I can't do that at home, outside with a shandy. Have someone barge me a bit. (laughs) And then someone's smoking too close to me. And I'm like, and then I have to fake cough. 
oh no, but you can't fake off now. Well, I wonder whether etiquette will have gone out of the window because people are unused to socialising and also perhaps people are less bothered about being polite, maybe, because, you know, this is your first taste of freedom and if someone's out there to ruin it with their cigarette, you probably are going to say something, aren't you? I'll just have to say, can you fuck off, please? You're smoking my face. But that's apparently the polite thing to do. I think on June the 22nd, when everyone has an absolutely raging hangover, we will be rethinking whether it was actually a good idea to be going out. And we'll be back on the sofa with a delivery. I just wonder how long this joyous community spirit will last, where everyone's like, we're in the pub, hi everyone, until it's like, excuse me, uh, would you mind talking a bit quieter, please, because you're ruining our conversation. Hours in London, probably, before people are rude to each other again. Yes, and I think the re-arrival of spontaneity is going to be quite joyous. I'm also absolutely gagging to go abroad, but I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. But I have been dreaming a lot about going abroad and seeing foreign shores and enjoying it hugely. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Right now, I'm just thrilled to be going to my shepherd's hut. What I want to do, assuming I'm back in the office, is go for a drink after work every night. I don't mean get drunk every night, and I don't even necessarily mean drink alcohol every night. But I kind of just want to every night be like, oh, should we just nip into this pub? Or when on a long summer evening and you just think, oh, wow, I mean, it's only six o'clock. I've got hours of daylight left. What shall I do? And being able to just meet people for like a quick drink, that casual, everyday, little kind of nothing socialising. I miss it so much. Desperate to just go for a drink after work. You know, there's that revenge spending people have been talking about. I think in China, it's quite a big thing. It's really boosted their economy. People have been revenge spending on clothing. Mm. Do you think people are going to be revenge holidaying? Revenged against what? Against lockdown. Right. Once lockdown was lifted, people went out and splurged. So do you think people are going to be splurging on a fortnight in the Maldives? I think there's got to be a lot of fantasy holiday planning happening have people saved loads of money I mean I never have any money left over at the end of the month anyway I am spending less because I'm not going out socializing I'm not going to dinner or the pub or on holiday but I have been spending on home stuff look the chairs have arrived let's see I'll just tilt my screen down so you can see them yeah love them and also trying to kick my house out to make it like a home office I spent loads of money on and my laptop is threatening to go as well oh no I've hit four years I know so I don't have loads of savings from being in lockdown that I could spend but maybe if I did I would be spending them I certainly do want new clothes but I've already got a whatsapp group about a holiday in Greece possibly in August oh lovely yeah we've got potential dates still haven't been to Greece it's glorious lovely We could go the week before or after I'm there with other friends. That would be lovely. Alfie and Ben can come. Thank you. I'm not saying you should leave your husband and child. No, (laughs) they might need to come with. I now have added baggage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so feeling good. It's put a spring in my step. And I know, I know that just because the government have said 21st of June is when we can all 
go and dance the night away in a nightclub. I know that doesn't mean that coronavirus magically disappears, but I can't help but feel quite optimistic and excited that life is going to return to some semblance of normality. I'm very excited. When Boris was laying out this plan, one of my colleagues texted me to say, wilderness is happening. And I had a stress reaction to that. Not because I don't want to go to wilderness, although I don't particularly want to go to a festival, but because I was like, really? I can't be in a room with like two other people right now, but in three months time, it's going to be fine for 200,000 people to sweat on each other in a tent. (laughs) It does seem a bit nuts. I am surprised that the festivals are going ahead. Yeah, but then I suppose nightclubs are the same, aren't they? Well, exactly. Although maybe they'll have sort of sanitising stations in the nightclub. Well, at least in nightclubs you can wash your hands a bit more, like there are taps. At a festival, I guess we baby wiped ourselves, didn't we? It's not the pinnacle of hygiene. Imagine if you then had to quarantine. I then said, "Mm, enjoy the two-week quarantine at the um, Oxfordshire Travelodge after. (laughs) But Hannah said, it'll be a farmhouse. And she's right. Quarantine at farmhouse. Lovely. Oh, speaking of group text, by the way, very much enjoying that Ted Cruz's trip has been outed by his wife's group chat. I know. Ooh. Poor Heidi Cruz. So this is Ted Cruz, who is the senator of Texas, who went off to Cancun just as Texas was hit by the mother of all storms that have left people without water, without heating, in a real shit state. He was flying off to tropical climes, got called out for it, came up with an elaborate excuse that he was perhaps just accompanying his children to their school trip or some sort of holiday that needed chaperoning. By the sounds of it, he nearly got away with it. But then his wife's group chat got revealed. I absolutely love this. Whoever that savage is on the group chat who was like, you're going down, Heidi. (laughs) I bet Ted at like their last dinner party, he only brought one bottle of wine. Yeah, cheap stuff. She's remembered that. (laughs) What a wally. Absolutely obsessed with it. I can't believe politicians. Why are they all like this? Dominic Cummings and Boris pretending to sleep in that tent that he obviously didn't sleep in. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't even in the field he'd hired. Why are they all like this? Do you follow Fat Tony on Instagram? Yeah. He's the king of the Instagram meme. DJ Fat Tony. DJ Fat Tony. I always want to say meme instead of meme, and I know... You say meme. That shows my age even more than my side parting and my skinny jeans, but fuck it. <laughs> you don't wear skinny jeans. I'm wearing a pair of skinny jeans as we speak. <laughs> there we go. They're the natural progression on from leggings. I've been in leggings for the last year, and I thought, right, I've got to start introducing my arse to denim, so I'm going to go for a denim legging, which is a skinny jean. Jeggings are making a comeback. M&S has like 35 variations or something. So let's just stop kidding ourselves, maybe. Anyway, DJ Fat Tony, he had a great meme going around this week that it was Boris Johnson's birthday on the 19th of June. And their suggestion was perhaps that Boris was lifting restrictions because he wanted a party. He needs a haircut. Did you see him on Monday's announcement? Christ, it's nearly shoulder length. (laughs) Maybe he's growing it out in lockdown. Lots of people are using this time to define new looks for themselves. <laughs> Maybe Boris is too. Have you got any recommendations for me? I do. First of all, Grayson's Art Club is back on Friday. That is all. Yes. 
watch it. I love it so much. All the themes are already online for the whole series if you actually want to make an artwork and send it in because otherwise it was quite quick turnover before. Not that I actually made anything. Um, I have been watching Lupin. I wrote about my obsession with French TV for The Times because I've been watching loads of it. Possibly because... I want a bit of escapism and so anything that is not filmed in England appeals or certainly not in London because I'm seeing enough of that on my daily walks and France glorious isn't it the food the people why is everyone sexy everyone's sexy even people who you can't tell why they're sexy but they just have some quality about them the women look fantastic all the time but not in a Hollywood unattainable way that I'm like oh, maybe I should get Botox and get my teeth done and have some lipo and get some fake tits. In a, like, should I get a bob? I wouldn't look like that, but still. So I like watching the people. Obviously, all the men are really attractive as well. Lupin is great because it's action and intrigue and it's very gripping um, and it's really pacey. It's a bit of a crime caper. And then there's, um, I don't want to ruin anything, but Lupin, or rather Lupin, I should be saying Lupin, but I feel like a dickhead. Well, you know when people just say a whole sentence in English? I was listening to a food podcast recently, and this woman, she was obviously British, and she just spoke with a South England accent. She was going along and she was like, yeah, and what I really like to do in the evenings is have a little burrata, and I just wanted to throw up. It's like when people say chorizo. Yes, or you just go a whole sentence and then you're like, um, oh, I was thinking we could just have a tortilla for dinner. Like, <laughs> say it in another language. Or I'm not saying you should say tortilla, but <laughs> but just rein it in a little bit. Like, don't do a whole accent just on one word. It's so mental. Anyway, that was such a sidebar, but it's a real pet peeve of mine. So we'll stick to calling it Lupin. It's brilliant. It's really interesting. It's really well written. I recommend it to my parents and they binge watched it in an evening, mum and dad. Check them. On a school night, no less. It's on Netflix. There are only, I want to say five episodes, but they're already making a second series. Wonderful. So would very much recommend. Franks, what would you like to recommend this week? So I would like to recommend a podcast. We've recommended this podcast before. It is In Writing by Hattie Crissell. And the premise of the podcast is Hattie interviews writers about their writing process, which as a writer, I find very interesting. But I think interviewing and getting behind the scenes of any creative process, I think is incredibly interesting. One of the most recent episodes, she speaks to Grace Dent, who is a food writer I love Grace Dent. I love Grace Dent. I haven't read her memoir yet, Hungry, have you? No. Need to get my hands on that. I really want to read that. So Hattie speaks to Grace about her memoir, Hungry, which talks about her dad's dementia. The sort of second half of the book explores her dad's dementia. Grace spent about 10 years looking after her dad. And Grace talks about, at first she wasn't sure if she wanted to talk about her dad's dementia and go into that. And she sort of almost plotted out the book, skipping over the whole thing. And she was in a bit of a moral dilemma as to whether or not to talk about it. But she does, and I understand it's it's incredibly well done and incredibly insightful and incredibly moving. So that's a really interesting conversation. But they also talk about Grace's writing process. She is a get up at 5am in bed, still in the pyjamas, laptop out, 
whack out some words. I love knowing when people write. She talks about when she's been sent off by her agents to glamorous writing retreats on cruises and in Spanish villas, etc. And because she enjoys her own company so much, she just ends up having a wonderful time and doesn't do any writing. Which I can imagine is what we would do if we went off for a writing retreat. We'd get confused and think it was a holiday. <laughs> Spend the whole time in cookery courses and drinking nice wine and then have, having written about 200 words by the time we got back. I think mine would need to be an isolated shack somewhere on a mountain <laughs> where there's nothing I could wander off and do. Because that's my problem with working from home. It's all my stuff is here. Way too distracting. And when I hit a funny bit where I'm like, oh, it, it's niggling at me and I can't think of the next bit, I'm like, oh, maybe I should put a wash on or check if my garden needs watering. No, bad. Bad, Charlie. Well, Grace agrees with you. She talks about actually checking herself into a travelodge so that she could just finish the thing that she was writing. And Grace talks about being working class and getting into journalism, which is traditionally quite a hoity middle upper class profession and her challenges and experiences of getting into it it's really interesting i really recommend listening to that and then whilst you're on your grace dent roll read her latest column in the guardian her mum sadly died recently and she's written a piece about grief and food and the piece is called british grief centers mainly around the making of sandwiches which is a sentiment from the comedian Victoria Wood. I love Victoria Wood. She was so brilliant. Grace says in the piece, Victoria Wood once said that British grief centred mainly around the making of sandwiches. 72 baps, Connie. You slice, I'll spread, she quipped, mimicking the stoic capability of a widow stood behind a two kilogram catering tub of stalk margarine. She basically talks about funerals and the role that food plays in the wakes. So she talks about her mum's funeral, which was recently, therefore, obviously under COVID restrictions, which means that you cannot have a wake or any sort of gathering after the service and how odd that was and how normally with a funeral, the food sort of plays this actually quite big role it's all about a decent spread and it's almost the time when the grief shifts slightly and everyone can let their shoulders down and enjoy a cocktail sausage. I'm going to read a little bit. It's not a long column, but it's just so beautiful. But somewhere between the cocktail sausages with dipping mustard and the Madeira cake, there would be a perceptible thawing of the mood, a general unsaid agreement that, amid the mouthfuls of scotch egg, and the nibbling of cubed cheddar skewed on sticks atop small pickled onions, the grief had taken a slightly different shape. Something shifted again when the mourners, who had started out standing stiffly and primly, bolt upright in the main room, began gathering, more relaxed now, wherever smoking was permitted, black ties would be loosened, and women would nurse double gins and tonics in short glasses, scant ice, never lemon. The first sounds of laughter would ring through the air, feeling decidedly cleansing. They had a good send-off. The grown-ups would agree. Into sadness, some joy was clawed back. That is such a British funeral that everyone gravitates towards the buffet and suddenly all the great stories about whoever's been lost start coming out. That's so um, evocatively written. Isn't it? 
I've never actually been to a funeral. I have. I've been to them in a pre-COVID world and completely agree with the importance of a buffet table. And obviously I've been to one last week, my granddad. And like Grace and her mum's funeral, there wasn't the after bit. There wasn't the wait. There wasn't the buffet spread. And it was really sad because it didn't give anybody a chance to stand around and reminisce. I just thought it was a really beautiful piece, but also looked at the quirk of Britishness, of how everything can be sorted or at least made a bit better with a cup of tea and a slice of cake. And then a quick watch to put on your telly boxes tonight. Extraordinary Escapes with Sandy Totsvig. I love Sandy Totsvig. Me too. This is on Channel 4. It's been on, so you can go back and watch numerous episodes on 4OD. But she travels to extraordinary places, as the title would allude to, with a pal in tow. Different pals. She goes with Prue Leith in one episode. That's nice. Real friends. The episode I watched last night, she was in Scotland. And she basically travels to the most incredible locations that you can stay in. So during her trip to Scotland, she stays in the most amazing lighthouse cottage like the the most idyllic lighthouse cottage you could imagine. White with blue bits, kind of a Scandi, but Scottish heritage, mix up interior design inside, which sounds not very nice, but it was really, really beautiful. And it was on this little tiny island that you had to get a boat to. Oh, it was amazing. And then she goes to another area of Scotland where she stays in this incredibly luxurious, modernist hunting lodge which has a lockside sauna and floor-to-ceiling glass windows and just looks out over the mountains and the most incredible Scottish landscape. Oh, it was so gorgeous and beautiful. She was funny and just adorable. And it gave me a sense of wanderlust, which is my worst word in the whole wide world. But <laughs> it did give me that sense of wanderlust. I mean, I love watching travel programmes anyway and those sort of escapist genre of programs but because travel especially close to home is potentially back on the agenda this summer it got my travel juices flowing thinking hmm shall I book something and then I did book something but you know it had an extra layer yeah of joy well because it's escapist but it's within reach exactly I could potentially go to these places it was just joyful and lovely, and I suggest watching that. Well, that sounds great. Doesn't it? Well, I think we should wrap it up, shall we? Let's. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to hear more from us, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can also hear more from us, but in written form, via our bi-weekly newsletter, which comes out every other Sunday. Subscribe at thewingwoman.co.uk. And you can find us on social media at Frankie Brennan, at Charlie Gowans, and collectively at thewingwoman underscore. And email us at thewingwomanofficial at gmail.com. So we'll see you in a fortnight when we won't be at Paris Fashion Week. See you in a fortnight. Bye. Goodbye.